This is Daisen X, the podcast, episode 102 for the week of November 11th, 2007. Welcome to Dies and Shui X, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Dies and Shui X, damn straight, we cover anything and everything. Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of the entertaining. What's up, folks? We got a full house. What's going on? How's everyone hey doing? How you doing? What are you all doing? Sitting. Sitting. Woman, what are you doing? I too am sitting. Man off in Japan. What the hell are you doing? I'm sitting at my desk. Good deal. Let's introduce all of these sitting people. Let's start with that guy off in Japan. What's your name and why are you calling? Uh, my name is Julian. I'm going to podcast. I'm あれ今は何時ですか今日は何時ですか今日は何時ですか今日は何時ですか今日は何時ですか今日は何時ですか今日は何時ですか今日は何時ですか今日は何時ですか今日は何時ですか今日は何時ですか今日は何時ですか今日
Okay. It's kind of related to um, what I'm going to be doing after this uh, recording finishes. Ah, yes. Actually, that would include two announcements, if you will. Oh, fantastic. Yes. The first one's going to be that, let's see, I happen to have a podcast in case anyone here forgot. Yeah. Um, what the hell happened to that? It, uh, it didn't exactly get edited until, I don't know, last night. Oh, not, my God. Not even. It was this week at some point. Brad finally gave me the finished copy and said, go put it up. Uh-huh. And sorry for the delay. Damn. I was like, wait, 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 wait. You mean it's it's really done? That's it? It's not <laughs> this mythological being that's never going to exist? He just goes, no, here it is. Just put it up. Nice. Yeah. So finally, that's all taken care of. If you don't mind, I have no internet. Right. Because I happen to uh, not be at my apartment that you remember me being from, usually. Right. Instead, I happen to be living relatively close by. Yeah, I I could stumble over there now. Yes, you could. Fantastic. You literally live around the corner from us now. That's correct. About four doors away. This is pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, so if you ever need me over for a recording, you can just, like, basically bring the equipment there, or I'll bring my (laughs) equipment there, and we can just record a one-off. Nice. It'll be good because then when we have to do manga stuff and I haven't read it until the Wednesday before we're going to record on Friday. Like, like uh, a certain that is episode. Me. <laughs> yeah. We can take care of that pretty easily. Definitely. And awesome. uh, not to mention that I can be in a total drunken stupor and <laughs> just stumble my way back to my door. And that would be a great episode and I don't have to worry about driving. Awesome. Yes. Fantastic. So that's Julian. That's Mary. Yep. That's Jeff. Yeah. That leaves me being Mike Vegito EX. And we have an episode of Extraordinary Proportions for you this evening. As I mentioned, we are on volume 10 of the Manga Review of Awesomeness. Every month we go through the manga volume by volume. We kind of give you a little synopsis of everything that happens. And then we go around and get some different perspectives. We got Julian, myself, who've read it before. Mary, actually, we're back to a point where you know this in the series. You've seen this in the TV series. As opposed to Red Ribbon, which you had neither read nor seen before. Mm -hmm. So you're back to being familiar with it. Jeff's reading Everything for the first time ever. That's right. Awesome. So I look forward to going through that in a little bit. Before we get to the news, let's talk about a little bits of stuffs. Just a reminder that uh, we are doing a contest. This is the last week to enter. We're giving away Daisenshu 2, so listen later on in the episode for more info. Video game stuff. Guitar Hero 3 came out. If you're on Xbox Live, you will see me playing Guitar Hero 3, and I will play co-op and stuff with you. Uh, we uh, already mentioned that you live a couple doors down. That's, that's right. That's awesome. Uh, other stuff. Mary, we got some things in this week, and we had a fun time the other night watching this uh, UK DVD release of DBZ Movie 3 called Super Battle in the World. Oh, this no. is uh, commonly known as the Bridge Entertainment dub uh, put out by the AB Group and Warner Visual International over there. And uh, it was extraordinary. You were mentioning to me that it felt like just a bad It was a bad fan, fan dub, dub parody. Yeah. It's like they just got some random guys and they're like, ah. You know, just one take, just go for it, just say whatever comes to mind. It was pretty horrific. It was, but it was funny at the same time. It gave us a couple new quotes. It was funny and sad. <laughs> so I will insert one little quote here, and this is going to be near the beginning of the movie when Shenlong grants the wish to restore the forest and everything. And right before he disappears, oh. this is what he says. Your wish has been granted, and now I go, but I take the crystal balls. Goodbye forever.
And in addition to that, we got in this uh, Jump Anime Library uh, big color book for DBZ Movie 12. Uh, yes, that was me that bought it from Tanuki Kuribo on the forum. I kind of got in before some other people who are interested in that bought him out of some stuff. So uh, that's awesome. I haven't had a chance to even look through this book yet, but it looks like it regurgitates some stuff from the Daisenshu and adds some new stuff as well. So just know, all you people who also bid for it, he hasn't even read it yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Very evil. I'm glad to have it. So uh, that's kind of like the, the stuff, the general stuff, the Dragon Ball stuff. We have some news. We got a topic. We got top five stuff. We got a contest. We got some emails. So let's kick it on right over to the news. Julian, we got some more sparking meteor character password things going on. That's apparently correct. New passwords for individuals such as Majin Buu and Gohan and Piccolo. Wait, was Piccolo already there? Uh, you forgot Trunks. And Trunks. Yeah, there we go. Uh, this seems to be the same as the passwords we had before for three other characters, where it has this uh, the breakthrough and the complete key control, where it's just kind of like souped-up versions of the characters. Cool. Good stuff. How good is the game again? I haven't been paying much attention since I don't have anything to play this with. So. Right. Uh, we'll eventually get to our final thoughts on it. Mary and I were just talking that we need to get back over to the game and do our final thoughts uh-huh. on it. I finally finished the Dragon History mode, so now I need to do that tournament mode and unlock a whole bunch of extra characters, so look forward oh. to that in the near future. So that's Sparking Meteor stuff. Let's talk about other video game things. It's all gaming news this week. Let's bring it back over to the US for a bit. Finally, all of the gaming sites and blogs are picking up on this. They're like, oh, I guess Atari's having problems with Funimation and all sorts of other things. Maybe we should start covering this now. But if you've been listening to this podcast, you know about this stuff forever, and you are in the loop, you are educated individuals. Well, the big news that everyone grabbed this week was Atari finally put out their quarter one financials to the tune of a $12 million loss. Atari ain't got nothing left. Wow. Dang. So, yeah. And Guess Pac-Man couldn't con- uh, sustain them forever, huh? <laughs> Is that Atari that has Pac-Man? I think that's Midway. Oh, really? You know what? Uh, I, I don't, don't remember. I should really know this, but I'm a horrible fan at the moment. But yeah, Atari's not doing good. $12 million loss. Um, that loss is why they didn't want to file their quarterly report. They were threatened with delisting from the stock exchange, and there's all sorts of great shenanigans going on. As far as we know, Budokai Tenkaichi 3 is still coming out in the U.S. Uh, next week. We will see what happens beyond that if Atari is going to exist through 2008. So that's that. More video game news. Take it over to Japan. More strangeness. Banpresto, the subsidiary of Bandai Namco, is going away. There was this post over on IGN earlier this week at uh, Sayonara Banpresto. Banpresto is simply going to be kind of like taken back into the fold. They're not really going to exist anymore in the same capacity they have. Um, they're just kind of going away and Bandai's like reshifting and refocusing. It seems like there's a lot of stuff going on over there with them. So you can check out this uh, brief little article for more information. I think the last thing they were responsible for was Buku Togeki, which was the first Supersonic Warriors on the GBA. So they haven't done a whole lot in a while, but they were responsible for some DBZ games. And there you have it with that info. As far as as I know, that is the news for the week. Anyone have any last-minute stories here? Um, not related to DB. 
be. Okay. But, um, I could share it anyway. Is it One Piece related? No. It's actually Genshiken related. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> I was like, let it be Genshiken related. Yes. All so right. What is episode, it? episode five of the second season is once again based on a single chapter. Yes. Um, it's the tie bowling episode, if you get the reference there. And they take the chapter as a jumping off point for exploring um, lots and lots of pairings, which is both kind of excruciating and hilarious to watch. <laughs> Just That's particularly the way Ogiwe's ma- imagination plays with how out of character everyone is. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'll leave it at that for those of you who don't understand, because if I go into any more detail, I risk turning the stomachs of some. Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, we'll leave it there. That concludes the news. Let's take it on over to the topic for the week. So, as described, we are up to Volume 10 of the manga. We already told you what we do here, everyone's perspectives. Julian, you were going to go to Book Off and kind of flip through it, but you didn't get a chance to do so? Um, no. Oddly enough, they were out of that particular volume when I went, so I picked ah. up um, another volume of Genshiken to refresh my memory for the anime. They really need to pick up the pace, by the way, because they've been going for, like, single-chapter episodes, and they've got 20-odd chapters oh, to do in the last seven episodes. Yeah, I'm wondering why they're dedicating entire episodes to just something that was like a couple pages in the manga. It's almost getting frustrating. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah. the show rocks harder than Dragon Ball. Well, you know, Dragon Ball does that too, but we also know how it ends. It's been over for a while. So having it in progress is frustrating, you know? But Julian, you remember the 22nd Tenkaichi Budokai quite well? Yes, I do. Good deal. So we're going to go through here. Volume 10 of the original Tang Kobon release covers chapters 109 through 120. So we are well into the triple digits of chapters. Let's just kick it right off with chapter 109, picking up where volume 9 left off. Goku takes off on Kintone to fly over to the car. And as we know, this is Pilaf and company coming in with the hidden Dragon Ball. The little blue guy and his companions are talking of their plans. Goku hops down on the car and they kind of like do that screeching stop thing why is someone on top of the car and they wonder how he got there because obviously they had no idea he was coming as far as they knew they were going to intercept him and uh, everyone kind of challenges each other to a fight here the three of them throw out capsules and jump up into these little mech things and uh, Pilaf basically talks shit and gets kicked into a mountain (laughs) and that's chapter 109 (laughs) not a whole lot going on there chapter 110 Pilaf and company uh, they're gonna use the plan of squeezing Goku's tail, because as we remember, they were kind of spying in during their picnic with this, like, security camera thing weird going on. So, the three of them and their mechs surround Goku. The tail doesn't seem to be visible outside of his pants, so they're like, alright, we need to regroup and come up with a different plan, because we thought we could just grab it, apparently we can't, whatever. So they do a little timeout, and they kind of hush together, like, psh, 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 psh. Goku's wondering what the hell's going on. The plan here is peel off points. Like, look over there kind of thing. <laughs> and so Mai runs in and grabs him. And Soba, or Shu, or whatever you would like to call him, because he has two correct names. He uh, uses a flamethrower on Goku. So they're going to burn off his clothes, and that'll let them get to the tail. And so Pilaf goes to grab the non-existent tail. So pausing at this point, yes. I should say that at this point in the manga, Toriyama actually calls him Shu, which is what he's called in the anime. Originally he called him Soba, but when they 
they, by they I mean Toei Animation, went to Toriyama right. requesting names for Pilaf's henchmen. Toriyama forgot that he'd already named one of them, so he gave them a pair named Shu and Mai. And after that, he used the same names in the manga. But the Viz adaptation takes a different direction and keeps him as Soba. Correct. For some kind of consistency. Right. So, weird, but true. Thank you. Anyway, continuing on. Uh, continuing on, Goku breaks free because, you know, they're just kind of mechs. And they do this uh, thing where all three of the mechs combine into one giant mech. But Goku fires a Kamehameha and, you know, causes some damage. So they retransform into, what, this, like, swan thing. And they just run off because they can't compete with Goku. What's going on? Goku chases them and they fire this missile at him. But he catches it. And in, like, the same motion, he kind of throws it ahead of himself at them. And so they explode from the same missile that they just shot. And so that kind of defeats them. Uh, Goku takes the Dragon Ball peel-off. is almost happy to hand it over at this point. And he also takes Soba's clothes. So Goku's dressed up like a mini peel-off henchman. It's very cute. Like the little dog <laughs> clothes. Chapter 111. Goku returns with the Dragon Ball. He heads back to where everyone else is. Uh, they're still at Baba's place. He, he takes Upa onto Kintone and heads back to the Kadin area because they gotta wish uh, Bora back to life. So everyone kind of mumbles for a bit and Baba makes this comment about someday Goku's gonna save the world and everyone's like what are you talking about little uh, toss aside comment there but interesting little thing so Goku and Upa arrive back at Upa's home Goku calls out Shenlong it's a very quick little thing going on here and sky darkens out comes the dragon Upa makes the wish and uh, Bora pops out of his quote unquote grave which is really just a pile of dirt on the ground kind of like a zombie scene going on here he's all confused popping out so chapter 112 continues Bora pops out of the ground uh, Upa explains to him what's going on like yes you were dead and this is the Dragon Ball thing going on and you're back to life uh, Goku's yeah. watching the Dragon Balls at this time I thought this was phenomenal and it shows how Goku's becoming a little more aware of like how the world works and just in tune with everything he watches the Dragon Balls and he makes note of which one is the four star ball so as they rise up into the sky after the wishes main they're about to fly off he jumps up and he like palms the four star ball and brings it back down to the ground so he was able to catch his grandfather's dragon ball before they disappear of course it turns to stone it'll be that way until the dragons reactivate in a year but he at least has it in his possession so I thought that was uh, pretty cute of him uh, yeah. they ask Goku to stay but he's off he's, he's got to get back and uh, give everyone the good news but he comes back and he's got to pee really bad uh, Toriyama humor <laughs> you know this great sentimental stuff going on Bora's back to life Goku's got his grandfather's Dragon Ball everything's great I gotta pee of course that's what goes on here so they're all talking about training for the next Tenkai Chiburokai uh, Yamcha's uh, decided he's going to train under Kami Sinin uh, everyone's pretty excited about everything going on here and Kami Sinin gives a great speech about how he's got nothing left to train Goku he's already so strong he needs to go out on his own and take care of himself and I think he makes a comment about how great of a speech he just made which is really in character for him I thought that was a phenomenal moment there we also learned that the tournament is going to be held every three years as opposed to every five. It's become quite popular. Everyone wants to check it out. So Goku goes to take off on Kintone, but Kamisenin says, uh, you should probably just walk and run, and maybe that's a good idea of how to train yourself. And Goku being Goku says that's a great idea and just kind of runs off. <laughs> And then uh, everyone uh, runs off on their own. And suddenly we're three years later. Like, uh, what's my phrase? I think I say the drop of a hat. Is that the right phrase? Yes, I think okay. so. I, I'm In not the blink good. of an eye. I'm not good with the cliche phrases. I usually yes. get a word wrong. And Mary looks at me like, what the hell are you talking about? In the blink of a hat. <laughs> In the blink of a hat, yes. <laughs> in in the Japanese, there's the phrase, itsunomanika. So... 
It's like before you're even aware of the time that's passed. Ah. So, I'm going to learn what you said and change a syllable somewhere. So, it just makes it into a completely different phrase. Um, good luck with that. Thank you. So, we're three years later. Yamcha, Pura, and Kududin and Kamisinin are up in a plane flying to Papaya Island. But we also discover that Bulama Ranchi, not lunch, Ranchi, because she is Ranchi. Uh, you need to go back and listen to our, uh, I guess, name puns and check out the rumor guide for that one. And Long, they are all along for the ride. Mary, you lost it when you read this line. This is when lunch decides. She says, uh, hey, do you ever get the feeling that when you're on a plane, you just want to hijack it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that wasn't probably as big of a deal at that time. Right. Although, come to think of it, that was around the time of the whole what Pan Am Flight 103 no wait what, what what year was that I have no idea I don't remember I don't even remember anymore uh... regardless it's extremely in character for this particular character and it gives much smiles and laughter so moving on to chapter 113 Kami Senin gets off and he's got to pee really bad more peeing in this volume <laughs> recurring theme for Toriyama if it's not poop it's pee um, so everyone heads over and registers for the tournament unfortunately Goku is not registered yet, which means he's not even there yet, and that's a problem. So Kami Senin tiptoes off, and he registers Jackie Chun. He's like, shh, it's a secret. Don't tell anyone. Shut the hell up. Because at this point, no one knows, besides, you know, like, Namun. Yamcha kind of thought he knew, but he doesn't really know. So it's still a secret. As far- it's a secret to everyone. <laughs> but, um, Ching. It's one of those things where, I don't know, there's, I think it's a common trope in certain genres of fiction where there's a character who's obviously someone else and yet nobody seems to notice. Like every fucking character in Sailor Moon. Yes. Look at me. I'm wearing glasses. I take off my little glasses mask and suddenly I look like someone completely different. Yeah. That's Superman. That, that, that's how it works. <sighs> yeah. Now that I'm Clark, mad from did you Sailor see Moon. Superman? Um, why no, I didn't. Hey, you know, without your glasses, you look kind of like, nah. <laughs> but after this moment, this is when we get the awesomeness and the hotness and the shortness. Sulu Senin shows up with his two pupils Ooh. and there was some bantering back and forth. Yes. Julian, real quick, explain uh, the Sulu and the Kame. Sulu Senin. So there's this story about the tortoise and the, well, is it a story about the tortoise and the crane? I don't even remember anymore. Uh, it's been a long time well, since you can I make up actually story. studied you can this. At least just explain what the words but are. But they're used as a common trope in China and Japan as a symbol for long life. I think there's a story associated with them, but I don't remember anymore. But <laughs> anyway, at any rate, they're kind of seen as counterparts and or compliments to each other. And so you have the turtle hermit and the crane hermit who were both trained by their master who will be revealed later on. And they don't like each other. In fact, they don't seem to have really ever liked each other. No. Um, So the crane hermit has his own sort of very self-centered training regimen and his two, let's say, students, or lackeys if you prefer, take this to heart, being Tenshin Han and Chaozu will be introduced in greater detail as the volume goes on. Um, we'll, we'll get to that later. Yes. So they show up and everyone's got the little bantering back and forth going on. There's one minute left until registration closes. And Goku finally arrives, dressed up 
been what, like, Tarzan? <laughs> Tarzan outfit. In fact, it's probably the skin of an animal he killed. He <laughs> <laughs> ate for breakfast that morning. <laughs> so everyone says their hellos. Apparently, Goku swam there and uh, from Yahoi, which the uh, other characters decide is on the other side of the world. So Goku swam there halfway across the world just now to register for the tournament. Fantastic. He's also got his tail back. Yes. You'll notice that it's not in your face, but it's very prevalent there. Like, Toriyama doesn't make an effort to hide it, or he's just very nonchalant about the fact that the tail is there. And we'll, of course, get to that as things go on. And I think during this time, um, Kamehsenin runs over to the registration. It's like, hey, Goku's here. Yay, register him, like, now. So everyone's getting ready to start for the whole event. They're all getting to their outfits. Uh, the three pupils now from Kamehsenin all have their outfits to wear inside all the other competitors are uh, talking about them They're like oh those are the guys from last year and Jackie Chun shows up and everyone's like oh he's the guy who won last year bah, 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 bah. we learned that there are 182 contestants this year which I believe this was like the largest amount thus far mm-hmm. something like that nice so that wraps up 113 moving on to 114 everyone's picking numbers uh, everyone gets split up which is good Yamcha goes first uh, he's got an easy win here could it in his next versus a huge guy which which reminds, you know, some of the guys in here remind me a lot of uh, some movie nine characters. Uh, yeah. We've got the big, like, Andre the Giant S guy. We've got the sumo guy who looks like Doskoi, but whatever. So, Kudidins versus the huge guy. He just tosses him out of the ring. The three eyed guy is up next. We don't have a name for him yet, although we know he's Tension Han. I love this. This is, and I'll talk about this later, Yamcha and Tenshin Han, they kind of have their little um, interactions going on. Yamcha flips them off, and they get some harsh words going back and forth. Nothing's really, I don't know how to describe it, like, it's not polite, but it's not, like, you fucking asshole kind of language. It's just very, very pompous, very self-assured uh, language. Yep. Goku says, this guy with the three eyes, he's going to be pretty good, he looks pretty strong. He fights, and it seems like one motion, but Goku, Yamcha, and Kudidin, they're over there on the side. They're like, that was four arm chops, and Kudidin's like, and two kicks. And as far as everyone else could see, it was just one motion that Tension Hunt used to win the match. So they know that this is someone special. Next up, we have Goku versus Chappa O, or King Chappa. Uh, who apparently. It's Chappa uh, being based on the Indian food Chapati. Oh, nice. Good stuff. Uh, apparently, last time he entered the tournament, he won without being hit a single time. So, uh, this is going to be some pretty impressive dude. So, chapter 115, Goku jumps in first with a punch to the face, but we get Chapa's Hashuken. Julian, what is this? Be like, what, fist of eight arms? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like all these punches all over the place. It seems like he's got eight arms going on. But Goku dodges every punch, and he gets in a little foot sweep there. And then he jumps up high, and he's um, soaring down. Down and King Chopper's like, oh, no problem. I can take care of this. He's going to like attack him in midair. But Goku does this thing like with his breath, he stops himself in midair and he kicks King Chopper to the face and knocks him out of the ring. So Goku's already becoming pretty ingenious here with some attacks. Everyone's commenting on the strength of these people and they all continue to advance onwards and uh, very quickly moves through these uh, preliminary fights. They all uh, meet up outside and it's time to go back in. Everyone's saying, oh, did you see our matches? And oh, We're going to get seats, blah, 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 blah. Of course, <laughs> Lunch is the one who's going to get them the 
good seats because she's got the gun and that's awesome stuff <laughs> which we'll return to in a moment with some hilarity so we'll go to chapter 116 here Yamcha and Tenshinhan again already get the rivalry going on uh, Kududin versus Chiaotzu I love this the comments about the head and the baldness and the hair except Chiaotzu takes his hat off and he's got one little hair sticking up I love the interactions between these sets of characters there's always good stuff going on uh, the announcer tells them uh, not to destroy any buildings this time kind of like this snarky comment with uh, regards to the last tournament so they're drawing numbers and this uh, wolf man guy looks like he's really mad at Jackie so Tenshin Han tells Chiaotzu to like match them up and fix all the matches so the matches are going to be Jackie versus Wolfman. of course the comment here is that he's a man wolf he's a man wolf <laughs> he's not a man that turns into a wolf at the full moon he's a wolf that turns into a man with the full moon so har har yes. lols everyone finds this amusing except for man wolf himself Chiaotzu is uh, fixing all the matches so we got that one we've got Yamcha versus Tenshin Han Tenshin Han is loving this and Yamcha is also loving it at the same time we've got Chiaotzu versus Kudadin except when the announcer reads the name Julian it's a little different in the viz here I think can you explain what goes on here yes so when Chiaotzu appears the announcer calls him Gyoza which is the Japanese reading of the characters for Chiaotzu which right. is Chinese uh, and Chiaotzu corrects him in the English version he calls him Chao Fun which Chao Fun is fried rice which is something different so but same same really, ultimate result. the joke here is just a different language reading of the same characters and finally the other fight is going to be Goku versus Panput I love this Goku is the last one to pick a number and he doesn't seem to understand that when there's one number left there's only one more number that can possibly be drawn and so he's like how do you know what number I'm gonna pick <gasps> you're right how did you know that but I think the <laughs> real funny part of this whole scene is Tenshin Han's like haha you make such great jokes and Chaos is just like what are you talking about what joke he doesn't get and this is almost foreshadowing that we should mention. If you've read the next volume, you know what I'm talking about. But we'll just leave it at that. So everyone walks on out. They all got their numbers. Uh, friends have good seats. And this is what we were talking about before with uh, lunch and her little foreshadowing. She's back to normal. And she's like, huh? Why are we up here? She doesn't know how they get up there. So apparently, normal lunch doesn't remember what blonde lunch did. Except that she knows she's blonde and she does stuff. She just doesn't remember the actual act of doing those yes. Well, I'm sure if you're a wanted criminal and you have no knowledge of what you've done, you'll find out through other means like um, Being people who are trying to kill you or arrest you. <laughs> Good stuff. But it is time to start the real fights and not the lunch terrorist acts out in the audience. Chapter 117, the fights begin. Goku thinks this guy's going to be pretty tough. This is uh, Tension Han versus Yamcha. So uh, they get some kicks and jabs back and forth. Kind of a standard opening to a fight. They uh, kind of jump up into the air to continue. Yamcha slams him back down to the ground. It's kind of like this uh, hands-together smack. Everyone's really amazed at already, which is this first fight, how much power is going in here. Yamcha unleashes the... Is this the Shin Rogafufuken? That would be correct. Nice. The and new is it Rogafufuken. Any different? Or it's like Mark II or something like that. It's, it's along those lines, but it, it's... An upgraded version of his original specialty attack. So uh, Tenshin Han fights back at pretty much the same speed. It's almost just like a, a flurry of attacks that they got going back and forth. Uh, there's a punch to the gut and Yamcha falls back. So apparently the attack didn't work too well. Yamcha decides, all right, it's time for the Kamehameha. Tenshin Han makes uh, this quick hand motion as the attack burst comes in. 
And we're into chapter 118. Kind of leave you on a little cliffhanger there. So Tenshin Han yells and deflects the blast right back at Yamcha, who's got to jump out of the way and into the air to dodge it, or else his own attack is going to hurt him. But Tenshin Han appears behind him and gets in just this perfect kick. It seemingly knocks him unconscious, like, in midair before he even falls back to the ground. What a moment here, though. This is when Tenshin Han, from the sky, Yamcha's on the ground, knees him in the leg, breaking his leg while he's unconscious. He's just being absolutely brutal here. And the remark from him, he just turns to the announcer. He's just like, you have a job to do. And the announcer's just like, uh, uh, is unable to continue. Uh, Denjinan wins. So just what amazing, like, even when you're reading the manga, you can't hear the voice, but you can just picture that delivery. So, so good. Yes. So, and I should point out here that Tenshinhan is playing by the rules, but he's doing pretty much... Uh, as much as possible without getting himself disqualified. Right, he's at the limit. Because you're disqualified like, if you kill your opponent, exactly. but it says nothing about, you know, beating them to an inch of their life. Exactly. Like, there's no weapons, he hasn't actually killed him. In fact, if he wanted to, he probably could have done a couple more attacks in that time span, but whatever. Yeah. So Tenshin Han's won the match, bleh, transforms into a magic carpet. Magic carpets will resurface later in the series. I love this. And uh, it's going to bring him over to the hospital. Goku's extremely mad at Tenshin Han over this. Uh, at the same time, Tenshin Han is kind of dismissing him. He's thinking to himself, all right, that Yamcha guy was probably the strongest of these three from Kami Senin. Uh So I guess the tournament's pretty much in the bag for me. It's like it's going to come down to like me and Chiaotzu, whatever. But now it is time for Jackie Chun versus Manwolf. It's chapter 119. Manwolf seems to have a grudge, but Jack is like, I have no idea who you are or why you're mad at me. But we learn because Jackie blew up the moon, Manwolf is unable to turn back into to a human at the full moon. And the concern here is just women. He, he can't get women as a wolf, so he's, he needs that time when he's a human. Gets the ladies. Yeah, so I think uh, Jackie Chun makes some remark about uh, a nice wolf lady or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But he doesn't take he's not interested in that. that. He doesn't take that comment very lightly. No. So he's pissed off. He attacks, but he just doesn't get in any of these attacks. So Tenshin Han's watching. He thinks he's probably going to fight Jackie in the semifinals at this point, just by the way he's moving and everything that's going on. Uh, at this point, Tenshin Han and Chiaotzu, they're on the sidelines. Goku and Kiddoden are also on the sidelines. Except those latter two, they're kind of like hopped up on the edge of the wall watching. They look over Tenshin Han and Chiaotzu. They're floating in midair, looking over the side of the wall, watching the match. So this is really the first time that we see some characters using this well, we'll learn more about it later, so we'll talk about it then. Uh, so Jackie dodges some more attacks, and he just kind of kicks Manwolf into a wall. Out comes the knife. Now, technically, this is against the rules, but... Jackie's just like, ah, whatever, let him. So he flings Manwolf back into the wall and flings the, I guess, the knife, like, right back at him. He's almost toying with him at this point. But he treats him like a dog. <laughs> He's like, shake hands, beg. But except the last one here is that he throws a bone out of the ring. And Manwolf's like, I'm not a dog, I'm a wolf. But when he throws the bone, he just... <laughs> just follows the bone out of the ring. He's like, oh, fuck. So Jackie wins here. But the the battle between these two isn't quite over because uh, as Manwolf rushes in again, Jackie taps him on the forehead to paralyze him. He calls over Crittenden, the little squirt, like he knows where this is going. He's just got that stupid look on his face like, oh, I can't believe you're doing this. So he hypnotizes Manwolf into thinking that the bald head is the full moon and he permanently transforms him back into a human. Great scene. Like he's very ingenious here. 
here. But this must end because it's time for the next fight. This is going to be Kududin versus Chiaotzu. So we're into the final chapter of the volume, chapter 120. Chiaotzu rushes in with all sorts of attacks. Strange move where he, like, he stands still and then without moving his arms or his legs, he just kind of floats forward at a fast speed and gets in all these attacks. But Kududin comes in from the left. Uh, Tenjinhan yells out, hey, you know, on your left, Chiaotzu's like, uh-huh, L- left, my my right. I He doesn't know his left from his right. I love this. This is not the only deficiency of Chiaotzu's, as we will learn further down the line. He gets pushed to the edge of the ring here, but he jumps up and fires the Dodompa, which has Kududin dodging all around. So we're kind of being uh, further reintroduced to this attack. And this uh, spawns a fantastic conversation and, um, I guess, some conversations Goku recognizes this attack as being what Tao Pai Pai used and Goku's making all these remarks Tension Hunt overhears him and he's like what are you talking about who, who, who how, how do you know this and Goku describes yeah he's this guy I killed and Tension Hunt just kind of like storms off in a huff he refuses to believe that this little kid is who killed Tao Pai Pai now Jackie in disbelief Tommy Sanin doesn't know at this point that Tao Pai Pai was killed by Goku Goku was like there by himself doing all this yeah, a little bit of a Raleigh action going on, but so Jackie describes to him that Tao Pai Pai is Sudo Senin's younger brother. So we have some like family drama going on, and then we have like school drama going on. So this can't come to a friendly conclusion down the line. So Tension Hunt runs off and tells Sudo Senin uh, what's going on here. Goku did this. All the meanwhile, the fight's continuing, and uh, the fight pretty much ends with Kudin deciding he's going to try and use the Kamehameha. It's like, all right, if Goku did it, Yamcha just did it out of nowhere. He kind of does like a little test one. He's like, all right, yeah, I can do this. So Kudin is going to counter the Dodonpa with the Kamehameha, and that is how chapter 120 ends. We are into the 22nd Tenkaichi Budokai. We have all sorts of new characters. I'm going to start it off, I can't remember who I've started off with recently in the past, so I'm going to go to Mary, because this is different from how it's been for you lately, where the very early stuff you had both read and seen, we got into the Red Ribbon Army stuff, which you had never seen before you were reading. We're back up to a point where you've watched from here to the end of Dragon Ball, 153 anyways. It's been a while since you've seen it. So what was it like reading this part of the manga, uh, knowing who the characters are, knowing how the rest of these fights play out? Give me some thoughts. Well, it really jogged my memory. I was like, oh yeah, this was really cool. Mm-hmm. This was a good fight. And it made me remember that Ten Shin Han is a fucking badass, and I love him early on. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, he's so cool. What happened? Poor guy. I don't know. Having watched this in really affect how I read it just because it's been so long. Uh-huh. It's been a couple years. Yeah. But knowing the characters helped. It's like, wow, I forgot Chiaozu was so stupid. <laughs> exactly. They, they really downplay a lot of this stuff later on. Yeah. Because it just, it's not important to the rest of the story that occurs. Mm-hmm. I think the one big thing I noticed was um, the new character dynamics. Like you had a Yamcha and Tenshin Han yeah, and Chiaozu and Krillin. That. And they kind of, a, well, no, they don't really abandon that, but it seems really fresh here. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know. I don't think it maintains its freshness. Well, we've down talked the line. about this in the past, where in recent video games, uh, I guess starting around like Budokai 2, Budokai 3, there seemed to be, and when I say pairing, I don't mean in like a love way, but a pairing of Yamcha and Tenshin Han with all sorts of stuff. Like, there's a rivalry between them, they seem to be together a lot. And I think this is the beginnings of 
what maybe those producers saw between those two characters. This is where that rivalry began. They do have some dynamics. It's a clashing of egos. It's like a, a subclash of egos beneath their own masters, but then between each other at the same time. There's some really good stuff going on in there. I was mentioning the way they were talking to each other, where it's not polite. It's not completely derogatory. It's a it's a really, not a healthy macho. rivalry, but yeah, very macho. Anything else from this volume stick out to you? I just, um, I really liked it. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, it had some sentimental moments near the beginning, but definitely. It's helped set up for what's going to be a really intense tournament, I think. Yeah. Just give you a little taste. Yeah, definitely. Like, I like that it was kind of split 50-50 between, you know, closing up that arc and then preparing for the tournament and then, you know, drawing the lots and getting mm-hmm. introduced to these characters and then just having, you know, the three or two and a half, three fights right. at the end. It didn't overwhelm the volume. I'm going to stop right there and then turn it over to Jeff for a second. Because what I always like discussing with you is pacing. Mm-hmm. We had another example where within the span of a page, we have this time skip almost. I was totally going to mention that. Where years later... Later, we have something going on. So coming off of Red Ribbon, coming off of the last volume, which we all decided almost felt like a filler volume, but we all liked it at the same time. So what was this like coming off of that arc and is essentially skipping three years to the next story? Well, just the, the time skip itself was just sort of hard to adjust to. Yeah. For some reason, I'm having a really hard time with that. Like, they'll just randomly, like you said, in the span of a page, just go three years ahead. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what? You know, the, they couldn't just fit in some side story of Goku during his travels. Yeah, this one seemed particularly jarring because they didn't lead up to the fact that they were going to do that. The next panel was three years later. Right. Like, I mean, at least the last time this happened, we did have some sort of side story that was just sort of, uh, you know, showing off what Goku can do and how he's training. Mm-hmm. At this point, we don't even get that. We just get to the point where he's all buffed up now because he's had this experience. So I'm not really sure what kind of what kind of device uh, Toriyama was going for there. Unless right. he was pressured to just immediately get back into a tournament by his editors or his Maybe audience. Maybe he, right. he didn't have an idea of where to take it. That, that's where he wanted to go. So he was like, eh, let's just go there. Well, you know, we, we had a year of training. That was like the first time skip, I think, right? Right. We we saw a little bit of uh, Goku and Kududin training before the 21st uh, tournament. Right. We had them out in the fields doing their training. We didn't see everything. We didn't see that full time span. Exactly. But we did see something leading up to it. Right. And so you see that exact sort of thing happen here, except instead of one year, it's three years. Do you think it's because we don't need any further character development for these sets of characters? That's probably the case. I mean, Goku is already developed as a character, and right. so you know, and if you were to do another side story, people would sort of find that predictable, and they'd know what the answer is. That you know, at that point, they'd just be like, "Oh, well, he stops at the gas station. Someone holds him up. All right, we know how that's going to end." Uh-huh. So, well, yeah, because yeah. last time when we had that time before the tournament, Kudin had only just then been introduced. They obviously had to do something with him before you you're emotionally attached to him, right. At the tournament, yeah. But here we already have all of our sets of characters, and to get another set to become emotionally attached. To well, we have to get to that tournament to introduce them to then later development uh, going on from there. Right. So, so maybe that was, that's what he was forced to do. That was probably what it was, and it, it sort of makes sense when you think about it. But definitely at first, it was just like, okay, I could totally understand why you know the casual fan getting into this would get really confused at this point because uh-huh. I'm sure if they were to try to look back at this, that three-year jump probably wouldn't even register at all. Except for the fact that Goku does kind of look a little taller. Yeah, he is a little taller. 
but Kidman's yeah. a little upset about that. <laughs> yeah, it's not like he suddenly gained an orange in jumpsuit or something, you know? Right. Did we ever get an age for Goku at the beginning? Well, he thought he was a certain age. Mary, you and I were talking about this. When the 21st Budokai begins, he's actually, what, 13? I think so. Julian, do oh, you 12. remember? 13 or 12? Okay, so he's, he's, 12. A, he's roughly 15 right now, right. although the guidebooks usually say 16, which kind of implies that he aged a year during his training with Kame Senin. Right. So that between so the tournament and the Red Ribbon arc, he's actually 13 by the time that he's going off to train on his own. He's right. still pretty short. So he's 15. like 15, 16. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird, especially compared to, you know, the designs of other characters who right. are his own offspring at that age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we mentioned this in the past. That's a great point. Jeff, I'm going to stop with you right there. We'll come back to you. I want to turn it over to Julian. Um, yes. I'm not actually sure how you feel about this arc compared to other stuff in Dragon Ball. So why don't you give me some thoughts from your perspective? Well, I, I really enjoyed the Baba arc. It was one of my favorites. Even though it's kind of fillery, it's still really good and it has an emotional payoff in, in spite of the pee jokes that Toriyama is so fond of. And we had two uh, One thing volume. that might not sit well with some in terms of the later manga is the fact that they basically, you know, buried Borda and then brought him back to life. Because at this point, he's been dead for a couple of days, at which time yes. your average body starts to break down. And you'll <laughs> notice they take great care to preserve um, those uh, mortal remains of people who they want to bring back to life after that point. Right. So it could be viewed as a kind of loophole, but maybe the dragon is able to undo any kind of necrosis as long as it hasn't progressed that far. Yeah. But that's reading into it way too much. As for the days. time skip, still good. it is kind of jarring. The anime does put in material in between these two points, but thankfully not two years of such. <laughs> um, I don't know. It feels fairly natural, even though it's jarring. Like, they haven't drastically changed the nature of the people in that time. I agree. People are just older. It's not like trying to be edgier or anything in that regard, at least not at first. Right. So, in that respect, I think it feels a lot more natural than perhaps other series had time skips where, in some ways, the nature of the show or the, the series itself also seems to be altered. But I don't know what else to say, really. <laughs> okay. Then Actually, I'm I kind of want to, I kind just from what you were saying, Julian, about like uh, him being resurrected, although his body should have been a little decomposed. I was actually, yeah. I don't know where I saw this, but it was kind of like a, a theory. Like someone was like looking at some kind of mythology and came up with this idea that the, when you give a wish to something, you know, obviously they're going to take it in the most literal sense and mm -hmm. that's going to come true. So they always say, be careful what you wish for. But the monkey's then, paw. Right. So, but the problem is they're always taking this under a context that the person is not of pure heart. So the assumption is that if someone has a pure heart and they give a wish like this, it's the grantor that actually goes by, you know, how pure their heart is. And if it's really pure, then they, they cheat a bit to I make like it... That. Fit more like what they're supposed Upa's to be. It's just you know, an innocent child whose father was murdered. So. Right. So Shen Long shows a little mercy with that one. But if it were like, you know, uh, Muten Roshi, uh -huh. right, it, it would uh, totally be like, you know, eyes falling out and everything. Who's it later in the series? Is it Pranga that like does the AOKs? Like I threw in an extra something for you or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember exactly but what the context was. Jeff doesn't know that yet. Right, right. <laughs> 
Well, I think he's seen them before, but whatever. But, Jeff, let me talk with you a little bit about uh, the new characters. Mm-hmm. We've got Sudu Senin, we've got Tenshin Han, we've got Chao Tzu. That's pretty much it. We've got the other Pudokai competitors, but eh, whatever. Who cares about them? Um, give me some thoughts on these new people. Okay, now, uh, when I first saw the series, and with the Cell Saga especially, yes. I saw a lot of characters who looked just like themselves, uh-huh. except their evil counterpart, like their uh-huh. uh, you know, their alternate dimension with the um, yeah. goatee look, you know. <laughs> so, I was thinking the exact same thing when this happened. It was just like, oh, okay, this is where that motif starts, because you don't really get that until this moment. Yeah, it's when you see uh, Tenshin Han look just like Yamcha, and it's like, it, being the first time that you see this, it's sort of like, oh, okay, I, this is uh, this is going to be a temporary character. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this isn't the case, right, right, right. but at this point, it kind of seems like that, because anytime you'd have similar characters in the same place, uh-huh. law of physics, you can't have that happen, so right, one right, of them's right. got to go. One must destroy the other right. to survive. So if I hadn't seen Cell Saga, I would think that, you know, one Yom- of them's got to go. survive. Yeah. Because he's the good guy. And, all right, all right. Yeah, exactly. How about their, um, like, you do know some of the Cell Saga stuff, so you know that everyone's friends later on. They're all yeah, fighting right. for the same goal. Yep. So knowing that and seeing these characters, you're almost like us at this point if we were to go back. And we did, where mm-hmm. we had seen the Cell stuff before we saw Dragon Ball. Right. At least this portion of Dragon Ball, anyways. Mm-hmm. We knew a little bit else. So seeing uh, the beginnings of these characters, and honestly, they're evil ways. They're jerks. Yeah. I really don't like them right now. No. <laughs> I really don't. In fact, I really hope that Kuroden beats the living crap out of Chao Su because I hate him right now. And also, I got to mention, he's the creepiest goddamn character so oh far in this I manga. Oh, my God. I mention this. It was the scene where he sticks out of his tongue. He's just like, Bleh. Uh, he's a little bastard. He really is. And I just hate that he's he doesn't walk. He just gravitates. <laughs> yes. And uh, it's like creepy. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's also interesting because you see them float to watch the, the yes. tournament. And it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't even realize none of the other characters are flying at this uh-huh. point. It's just like, so wait a second. I guess that there's got to be some kind of like mending of the minds or something. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'll keep that thought in the back while I read this. But, um, until that point, I thought that was really interesting. See, it's great because now you are kind of like us where you're going back and you're noticing these things. But because you haven't read this ever before, I would still kind of gloss over that. I'd be like, I, I see Tension Hunt float in midair all the time. Right. But if Goku hadn't said that, I might have skipped over it. And I think it's kind of funny, too, because it's like uh, uh, at some point, Toriyama has to cover himself. Because uh-huh. he goes, wait, they were just floating. Oh, I guess I should put a little backstory on that. All right. Well, now everybody floats. Okay, here. Everyone have a get-out-of-jail-free card. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. Anything else? We, we talked about the new characters, a little bit of the interactions. Uh, we talked about the time skip. I hate to use that phrase because it seems like solely associated with Naruto. You know, Dragon Ball did it, you know, so long before. And, you know, other series have done it as well. But uh, So we had the jarring but still kind of natural time shift. Is there anything else in this volume that stuck out to you? Uh, where do you see it going from here? I mean, we're at a tournament, so we're obviously going to get up to a final fight. Who do you think is going to be the final fight? Well, at this point, you know, you could say it's Jackie Chun and uh, Goku again, which would be very interesting. 
but Jackie Chun's going against uh, Tension Hunt. Mm-hmm. So that could really go anywhere. In fact, I wouldn't even mind seeing a fight between Tension Hunt and Goku. But then there's Kuridin, and I would love to see Kuridin and Goku. You want to fight and beat Jatsu, and so we got, yeah. Exactly. Right. And it's just like, you know, I just want to see all these combos, and I'm not really sure where it's going to go from here, because really they could take it anywhere. Right. You know, there's like three major fights that could end up being the top one, and all of them would be amazing. So. I guess you would say that you kind of have three, maybe four major characters who are definitely going to get there. So we know we're going to have, we get the eight right now, but we're going to obviously get rid of some of these side characters. Right. We're going to have two really good pre-final fights and then the final fight. Those are all, those three fights right there. Those are going to be the really amazing ones. Definitely. Even though we already had some kind of amazing stuff, Tension Han and Yamcha, I want to get some thoughts on this again from everyone. This is, I just so vividly remember watching this the first time. It was just like, like ow! <sighs> Wow. The whole fight between those two is really well drawn. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was. You know, Toriyama really likes the action. Jeff, you've mentioned this before. When Toriyama gets into the action, it seems like he really likes it and he really goes all out with it. He loves it. You could just see that he has such a great imagination for when things connect and how they connect and mm-hmm. the physics of things. And it's yeah. a, They're very well choreographed. Almost. He could easily do a movie. Like, yeah. he could choreograph martial arts for any movie. I think he's really good at it. All right. I think we covered all the the main points I wanted to hit. So let's go around again. I started with Mary. So Mary, you have any final thoughts on this volume? I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I, again, I know I I know I always say this, compared but it had to, a good mix of everything. Compared to the last nine, mm-hmm. how do you feel? Um, slightly higher than average. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're looking forward to the next one. Of course. All right. Just, you know, I want more tension, hon. Yeah, I know you do. Julian, let's take it over to you. Uh, this volume comparison to the last ones, you mentioned you like the Baba stuff, but, uh, yeah. and you know where this is going, so give me your final thoughts yeah. on this. Well, I feel like the 22nd Budokai gets off to a decent start, but it doesn't really pick up until the next volume. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of originality, I, I like the 21st a little better, and in terms of drama, I like the 23rd better. But this one is a happy medium in terms of developing the plot, and I think particularly the stuff that happens in the next volume between Jackie Chun and other character. Yes. For the sake of not spoiling it for we've, De- Jeff, we've talked about this. Are, is really good. So this yeah. this provides some good setup, but I'm looking forward to eleven. I think what you were hinting at is a moment that I chose when we talked about a certain Seiyu passing away, and that scene really resonates with me, and I, I really look forward to reading it. Uh, I believe next month. So let's take it over to Jeff. Your final thoughts on this volume? I do agree with both Mary and Julian, uh, especially with, um, in regards to this uh, Tenkaichi Budokai happening pretty quickly, and you know, it, when they were going through training uh, in the previous volumes, it was like leading up to it, and mm-hmm. so you were anticipating it, and then this one just sort of happens. Right. And so, kind of set the tone for this volume going really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, first we have a three-year jump, then it goes straight to the This volume the is tournament. very fast. It's really quick, and it kind of just like it offshoots everything, but I think there's so much good stuff in it that uh, it still is, like Mary said, above average, and I would definitely agree with that. I like the moments that are in it, but I think the continuity got a little screwy mm-hmm. as compared to the other volumes. But, you know, this uh, this tournament's already starting to be really interesting, so of course I'm going to look forward to how it ends. Fantastic. I agree with everyone. Everyone had fantastic points. Everyone is correct in everything they said, and I cannot fucking wait for volume 11, especially, oh god, 
the rest of the series is so good. So that was volume 10 of the manga review of Awesomeness. If you guys have any thoughts, hop on over to the forum. There's a thread for every episode. Let us know what you thought about this particular volume. Let's move it on forward. We forgot to do it last time, so we'll we'll quasi-double up. We won't describe both. But Mary, it is time for your top five list. Mary, it's time to do top five stuff. It's been a very long time since we have done so. Yes, and um, I'm not sure how you want to do this, but I also have a top five list for volume nine. I don't know if you want me to quickly go through that. Right, we forgot to put it up on the website completely last time. Yeah, we suck. So, what we'll do is the images will be up on the archive page for volume nine. So, instead of just going through them like we normally do, just give us a real quick description of each of the five. Sure. Okay, this is all from last month's manga review of Awesomeness, like we said, and that was volume nine. Number five, I picked a Goku giving a cute peace sign on page 120. Number four is a bit on the scandalous side, and I don't know if we'll put this up on the site, but it's a full frontal. Bulma booby nudity. Yeah, we'll put it up, whatever. Okay, uh, number three, Oopa's Across. Yes, fantastic. So cute. Number two is Grandpa Gohan's reunion with Goku on page 169. And uh, number one, Blood on Krillin's head looks like hair, page 44. Over the Gohan moment. Yeah, because it's actually yeah. a really small image. Yeah, you're married. I thought it was actually bigger in my head, and it was going to be number <laughs> one. But when I looked at it, it's like they kind of relegated off to the side. I'm like, oh, that's not as good as I thought. So that's why it's at number two. Gotcha. All right. So that was from Volume 9. Let's do the Volume 10 stuff, which is the current stuff. Okay. At number 5, um, it's just another cute pose of a character giving a peace sign. And this is a Krillin. I'm sorry, Kuririn on page 89. He kind of has this cute shit-eating grin on his face. Yes, he does. Very nice. And uh, <laughs> the big guy's up against the wall at the moment. Yeah. So it's like comedy and cuteness all in one package. Cool. Number 4 is on page 19. It is our trio of not-so-dastardly villains jumping into mechs. Yes. It's like, ooh, look at us. We're awesome, only not. Very nice. Okay, number three is so cute in so many ways. It's uh, Chaozu sticking his tongue out, but Tenshin Han acting really embarrassed that Chaozu's doing so and trying to, like, pull him away, and that's on page uh, 113 in the Viz book, if you want to check that out. I'm looking at it right now. Fantastic. Alrighty, number two, just a fantastic one-page image. It's actually going to be really hard to scan. <laughs> um, Yamcha getting kicked by Tenshin Han in the gut. Uh, it knocks him out, and then, you know, Chen Shin Han eventually, you know, breaks his leg. But before that, this is a great full-page image of this attack. I like it because it's one of those moments you can picture in a TV series where the screen kind of does something weird. And in this particular image, it's like cutouts on a black background. Yeah. So it's like the instant he loses consciousness almost. <laughs> stylish. Okay, my number one favorite panel of this manga shouldn't come as any surprise. I called it Lunch on a Plane. <laughs> the new movie. No. Um, page 68, that is. And it's uh, Lunch saying, hey, you ever get the feeling when you're on a plane, you just want to hijack it? So you took this image because of the dialogue. Yes. All it's right. favorite panel that can include the content. She does look very good. There's like a panda bear sitting behind her who looks very concerned. She's extremely psychotic looking. I love it. She is. She's pissed that she cannot hijack this plane. Lunch doesn't get enough play, and when she does, I feel like she steals the scenes just because she has such hilarious dialogue or she's whipping out her gun. Well, thank you. You're welcome. So let's briefly discuss the top five uh, situation. If people have ideas for future top five lists, I would say take a look at some of the stuff we've done in the past. We've kind of gone a like, slight hiatus time to time with it. Mm-hmm. If you have ideas about what you would like to see Mary do, send us some suggestions. Uh, normal 
email address. And what else? We do one every month with the manga review of Awesomeness when we yep. remember to. That seems to be our default top five list. Otherwise, I've been pretty bad. Yep. So send us suggestions and look forward to some in the future. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Time for releases. It is time for releases in November. We get a couple last things coming out. Well, it's not too far into the month, so I guess they're not a couple last things. On November 13th, Julian, why don't you tell us the two things coming out that day? Yes, November 13th. First of all, you get the Dragon Ball GT DVD box set of the quote-unquote lost episodes. I believe we discussed in a previous podcast uh, the idea that Maybe these episodes weren't exactly lost, you know, somebody, you know, put them on their desk and it got buried in a pile of papers or they put their lunch on it and just forgot about it. Or maybe they were just trying to get ahead to the action episodes and decided to put these aside for a while while, in essence, performing a marketing coup by making these suddenly valuable and anticipated instead of boring and unliked. So, yeah. Anyway, this will be available on the 13th for $49.98 retail, $37.49 at the Z-Store and Amazon, and $30.74 at Deep Discount DVD. We should also say that this says that there's 15 episodes Episodes, but we're kind of hoping it's 16 since that's the number of episodes that they didn't put out at first. They kind of had this weird fake recap episode that they added to the first volume, well, what they call the first volume of GT, but it wasn't actually episode 16, so that's what that is. Anyway, the other release for that day is the Broly Blu-ray double feature, which is DBZ Movies 8 and 10 in supposedly actual high definition, 1080p. That's 34.98 retail, 30.98 at Z-Store, 20. 395 at Amazon, 2151 at Deep Discount DVD. I've heard that God of Chaos already got his hands on this. Of course um, he did. Well, I guess we'll have to talk to him about what his impressions are on that. But anyway, that's it for the 13th. Nice. Well, let's take it over to November 14th. Hopefully this is still coming out for all of you that are waiting on it. The Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi 3 or as they would say, the Budokai Tenkaichi 3. This is the North American release of Sparking Meteor. The PS2 version only is coming out on November 14th. The Wii version is set to ship on December 3rd. So when this comes out, it's going to be $39.99 retail. It's pretty much the same price everywhere. And uh, it seems like the guide from Prima is going to be out on the same day as well. So if you're looking for like move lists and combos and unlocks and all that stuff, and you don't know how to use the internet for getting that kind of info for free, maybe on a place like Dizenshi and the forum and the help thread and all that kind of stuff and some other great people out there that have all the info. You can pick up the guide if you want, but I say use the interwebs for the freeness. So hopefully you all will be getting that game. And if you're looking for some initial thoughts on the game, check a uh, couple episodes back when Mary and I talked about it right after we got in the Japanese version. And we'll give you our final thoughts on the game in the relatively near future once I finish unlocking everything. So, um, Jeff, you're going to do email, so I'll have Mary give us the last release, and this is coming out on November 28th. Yep, at the end of the month, uh, on a Wednesday, we get Spain's Remastered DBZ Volume 16 DVD. It's a two-disc set, and it contains episodes 126 to 133, and this is the uh, Cell Arc, and it's going for 24.95 euros, and you can find it at zonadvd.com. Cool shiz. So that uh, essentially is November in a nutshell. Let's take it on over to the email. 
I am in absolute love with our emails this week. I cannot wait to do this. So, we got two for you. One's pretty short and easy and fun, and the other one is just a, a fun little kind of discussion and dissection. Jeff, why don't you read our first email here, curiously enough, from Tanuki Kuribo. Hey, what's up, Tanuki? <laughs> hey, Mike, Mary, the cats that are locked in the bedroom, and Julian. This question is pretty much for Mike. I have a question about one of your Dragon Ball music videos. In Enter the Dragon, there's a quick shot of some people playing DDR. Who are they and why did you put them in an anime music video? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) This question is not for Mike. This question is for Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. Tim Shinhan's there in that screen cap, no less. Yeah, he is. So, um, I I guess I'll give a little backstory on what's going on here. So, back when... uh, we were still doing these giant multi-editor projects, the DDR project. What we did, well, we were just editors and we did videos for it. The coordinators took the non-stop Megamix soundtracks for the Dance Dance Revolution games. Individual editors got individual tracks, just like we did for Doom Rider, where we split it up. Whereas Doom Rider was one song split up into pieces, the DDR projects were individual songs that are kind of like mixed together to form one long project. And so for the last DDR project, which used the fifth mix soundtrack, Mary, you and I did a video to the song Enter the Dragon or the theme from Enter the Dragon and we did a Dragon Ball video. We used the 23rd Tenkaichi Shibodokai and we just had like this special effects extravaganza and there's some awesome stuff and Tenshinhan loses his pants and there's like a the DDR effects all over the place and there's this great scene. Um, Jeff actually helped you a lot with this. Yeah, because I didn't know how to do camera. I still don't really. <laughs> camera effects and was after this effects. 2004? But you're good. <laughs> it's so half-assed. Anyway, but so- you were a great help in this video. It's this scene, Thank there were you. two walls on the side, and there's a spinning Dragon Ball in the middle, and Goku's um, initially in the front doing, like, these fighting motions. He fades away, and the second-to-last, like, box television screen on the left before it changes scenes, for some reason, there's the shot of two people playing DDR. So what's going on here is after the... Real briefly, there's three contests for AMVs at AWA. There's Expo, Pro, and Masters. Pro is where the editors send in their videos blind. The editors get all of the videos back and they peer judge the videos. So that year when we got the DVDs, we had a whole bunch of people come over and we all watched the videos together just to hang out and have fun watching the videos. And afterwards, we played like DDR and a whole bunch of other stuff. And the joke that year was we were going to film Shane Lee Kusoyaro Productions playing DDR without realizing that he was being filmed and get as many people to put this in their DDR project video as possible. (laughs) So what you see here is is Shane playing DDR in our living room alongside Jeff. <laughs> yeah, there was basically, I was the incentive to get him to play DDR so that you guys could sneak the video camera around the corner and tape them. And it wasn't like we were even hiding. I mean, it's almost verging on being right in front of his face. I know. But you know his attention is so drawn to DDR, he didn't even notice. Right. So I will take one for the team. Yeah, so if you're looking at it, the person on the left with um, the, the visible glasses, that's The Asian Shane. dude. Yeah, the Asian guy. And then Jeff is kind of in the background. He, he's slightly hidden by the Dragon Ball as it changes screens. And my DDR playing sucks in that you shot. You guys look so bored. <laughs> We're so concentrated. It's all concentration. That's what it is. Shane looks like he's ready to start playing. Jeff, you look like you're kind of sulked over. And just like, <laughs> it's even worse if you watch the full video. I'm just like, my arms are completely lifeless when I play DDR. Is the full video yeah. anywhere? Did anyone oh, put oh, it someplace? Them playing? I don't know. Oh, okay. It, was it Bob's camera? Yeah, it was it Bob. Was Bob's, Bob's camera. camera. Right. Took the footage. He's so, got it. 
I forget what the final count was. It was over 10 people who ended up putting this clip in there. Jeff, Including you actually me. put it in. You did a yep. video with Absolute Destiny that yes. year. Yes, and it's I like forced it in. A frame in there somewhere. So that was the joke. <laughs> That's what's going on in there. It's a little Easter egg. We'll have to link to this. Yeah, I'll put up the, the screen cap itself <laughs> in the forum thread. You can download Enter the Dragon. So that's our fun email. We have another email here from John. This has nothing to do with music videos. So if you don't care about that stuff, don't worry about it. Jeff, why don't you read our email here from John? All right. John says, I was reading your new update on the history of the term Ultra Super Saiyajin. And noticed that you mentioned that it was only a fan term, quote unquote. Well, you are almost definitely correct on this point. There is one thing I've always been curious about. I've read several different so-called translations for the final battle section of Dissension Number 2 Story Guide. For one such example, see Website Name Removes Version, in which terms such as Ultra Super Saiyan and Mystical Gohan pop up. Years ago, when I had first read this, I had always assumed that these terms or something similar did indeed exist in the Dizenshu, and that this explained why there was such widespread use of these terms, which otherwise would seem rather remarkable if they were just fan terms. However, I realize now that it is also a distinct possibility that whoever was translating or writing up the summaries or whatever simply used the terms for the sake of convenience. So I guess my question is, can you definitively put this to rest that no accurate translation of these passages yields any such terms? And if so, these passages contain a different term for these forms? Thanks. Ah, uh, fantastic. So this is a, a quasi-fun segue because we're going to be giving away Daizenshu 2 next week. Aha! See what I did there. Oh, ho, ho. John, you have a fantastic question. We can very easily settle this. So what we've done, and the reason I did that website name removed is because I, I don't want to single out and embarrass anyone in particular because we're kind of going to tear these translations apart a little bit and it, it just wouldn't be fair. But if you Google it and you look around, you can probably figure out where it came from. What I've done here is I have their descriptions from whatever, whoever translated these, whatever they decided to write. And since I own all of the Daizenshu and we're giving away two next week, I, I simply reference those exact pages, scanned that exact text in Japanese, and oh gee, who do we have here that can read Japanese? Oh, that would be Julian. Okay. So Julian, oh. take us away. We have two examples here. We've got one where it supposedly uses Ultra Saiyajin or Ultra Super Saiyan or whatever, and the other is the Mystical Gohan. Traditionally, we just see, see it used as uh, like Mystic Gohan, but let's start with this Ultra Super Saiyajin one. Um, the only thing I want to say before we really start here, as far as we know, this phrase originated back in 1993 with a man named Curtis Hoffman. Uh, we've mentioned him a lot in the past, especially the interview with Steve Simmons on episode 52. Curtis Hoffman was the guy that was around before all of us doing stuff online. He was writing summaries for the manga. He wrote summaries for Dragon Ball GT episodes every week as they were airing in Japan for the first time. Now, what he did here in the manga summaries was every time a new character was introduced in the volume, at the beginning of the summaries, he would give their name and a brief rundown of what they were and what they did. And if there was a new form, like we had Super Saiyan. So what he did here, when the manga was coming out, we've discussed this in the past, additional forms of Super Saiyan were retroactively given names later in the series. Uh, I think the first time we ever hear Super Saiyan 2 named that way is when Goku is describing all of the stages to Majin Buu, and he says something along the lines of, I guess you could call this Super Saiyan 2. Super Saiyan. Super Saiyan. Super Saiyan. 
スーパーサイヤ人2って言ったことかな。Um, and then he goes, so stay, and then, ah, Super Saiyan 3. So, Curtis Hoffman didn't know what to call these, these subforms of Super Saiyan where they bulk up and stuff. And so he invented this term, Ultra Saiyan, to, like, conveniently give himself something to call them.、Um, we mentioned this earlier, and you can check it out in the rumor guide. He called the blonde, f- or was it the nice form or the blonde form of lunch, Ranchi? Or no, Kushami. Kushami was the blonde one. Right, Kushami, which means sneeze. So she's not actually called that. That's a Curtis Hoffman thing that he used for his own convenience. So I with- should also say that Curtis Hoffman did not appear to be that conversant in Japanese. Right. He knew some, but it's pretty clear that he doesn't get all the nuances of what's going on. Right, exactly.、Um, so, with that in mind, Julian, like I said, we have the exact text from this page. I don't think we want to read everything they say. We know what terms they're using.、Yes. So, why don't you just、uh, give us a brief comparison to you know, the actual pages from the Daizen? You in Japanese. What's going on here with these? Okay, so the actual pages in Japanese are basically a series of images with like one or two sentence captions. And it's basically just showing the action that's going on and commenting on it a little bit. It's not like paragraphs and it's pretty brief and to the point. So, for example, the first caption on the page says, Cell panics at Gohan's transformation. Next one says that、um, Gohan destroys his juniors with one hit. That sort of thing. And the English translation, though I、um, hesitate to use that particular word, well, let, let's compare, shall we? <clears throat> Gohan, pardon me, kicks major booty in this act. All seems lost until Gohan turns Super Saiyan 2. With lightning bolts and yellow aurora around Gohan, Cell can only just stare at what he has created. A little bit different. I think it's more kind of describing what's on the page rather than trying to be any kind of true translation. Right. Well, right、uh, there, so, we have it saying so, Super Saiyan 2. I don't see the number 2 on here anywhere.、Um, no, I don't see it either. Neither is there any reference to any kind of special form of Super Saiyan at all. Right. You don't, you don't see Ultra Saiyan or Ultra Super Saiyan anywhere, anything like that. Nope. Not even the、uh, translation of the title of. The page, the main header, is actually what it says. The translation says, Act 4, the strength of Gohan can beat Cell. In Japanese, it says, Act 4, Gohan no ikari ga seru wo oitsumeru. So basically, Gohan's rage pushes Cell to the brink, is what it says in Japanese, which is far cooler than the quote unquote translation. But- That's a huge block of text of that、uh, so called translation. There's、yes. only a few lines、yes. on the actual page, so shouldn't that be like a. Yes. You know, a t- Tip right there. Yeah, I, yeah、so. I mean, English translations from Japanese can be wordy, but not that wordy. You know, as I look through this a lot, I think this person is mistranslating like Act 4 or might go with Act 5 or something like that. There's a lot of stuff that just doesn't seem to line up that much. It's very confusing. But you're saying it doesn't. Line up. There is no Ultra Saiyan written in Japanese anywhere. We've talked about this in the past.、Um, that form was later named in the Daizenshu. We have Super Saiyan, but then we have Super Saiyan Dai Nidankai and Super Saiyan Dai Sandankai. And what that really means is like grade two, grade three,、um, like the next step,、uh, literally numbered two and three. Where it's not Super Saiyan two and it's not Super Saiyan three, they're, as Goku would say, transformations of the first stage. They're within the 
the realm of Super Saiyajin. There's no Ultra. That's a Curtis Hoffman thing. So I don't think there's much else to say about this Cell one. Let's talk about this uh, mystical Gohan one. What's going on over here? This one, it's Gohan fighting against Boo. So the Japanese version, once again, has a couple of images with some captions. The title of this part says, Which literally means, Gohan having undergone a great transformation has an uphill battle against Boo. Or, actually, I'm not quite sure about that. It might imply he gives Boo a hard time. Uh, Kusen apparently depends on context, and I'm not quite sure how it depends on the context. But either way is kind of true of the manga, depending on at what point we're talking about. So anyway, the same thing in the quote-unquote translation says, Act 2, now Gohan tries his luck against Boo. Okay. So, the images in the captions basically just say how Gohan, being completely different from the way he was before, shows his new power, then tells about how Gotenks gets absorbed. The same thing is kind of true of the sort of translation, but very prosaic and makes up terms. What is this? He is no longer Gohan. He is now a mystical Gohan. Is is there anything in the Japanese text that, like, would even remotely mean that? Barely. That is, Gohan demonstrated his power, which was completely different from what he had up until that point. Ah. That's about as close as you're going to come, and no mention of any kind of quote-unquote mystic. What kind of throws me off about that so-called translation is a lot of the weird kind of slang wording, like... Uh, uh, I was going to say the part of me kicks major booty oh, yeah. from earlier. <laughs> that was a big one, and then uh, in this second one, a couple lines down, it says... Uh, Used as a person-absorber type thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, he would win. Wrong! Right, right. Not. I mean, like I think we were all concluding, you read through this and you go, this can't be a translation from like an authoritative guide. They wouldn't write, you know, the Japanese text, we always make fun of it or we say, oh, so so and so is a pretty cool guy. That's like one of our catchphrases now. Yes. But in spite of the way that, (laughs) in spite of it saying such, it does such in a very stiff, formal style, which is typical of much sort of narration style writing in Japan. If it's not specifically someone's dialogue, it's done in a very stiff, very formal, particular tone, which is very typical of written Japanese. Right. It's not like in the manga where people are, you know, contracting things everywhere and in dialect and <laughs> being country bumpkins. So, yeah, it's it's a completely wrong register for an authoritative source, at least coming from Japan. Although I think you'd probably be hard-pressed to find something that talks... I don't know. When I, when I read through it, I got the image of both a hyperactive early teenage boy and, like, a girl talking on the phone to one of her girlfriends. I just don't know what pushes someone to put up a fake translation online. Well, well I think I, the I, thing is, like, claiming it's a translation. Like, oh, come on! It's a description of... The images based on the person's knowledge of the series, but right. it's flawed. Yeah, I, well, that, did he do the whole book? Translating the whole thing? I mean, well, there's like this final battle session. It looks like they went through all of those acts, where yeah. just, and, and you can see what the pictures look like here. It just kind of shows some screenshots. Yeah, well, I mean, if he had to do the whole thing, I could understand he was rushing through some of them and like didn't even bother to read the text in this one, probably because there's maybe like too many terms he didn't know, and instead right. of looking them up, he just sort of guessed by the pictures. Uh huh. I mean, granted, if I got a picture book, like, you know, a comic that was beautifully drawn, I'd kind of skip all the words and just sort of say, oh, okay, he kicks his ass because I see his 
asses I on the ground. The big deal here is just like making up labels for character forms and, and claiming things are translations when they're really not. Well, it's just lazy. Yeah. I, one of the things yes. I just want to talk about here is like quoting your sources and providing references. Whenever we do anything on our site, we try to be really good about quoting our sources and providing. At the very least, we'll have the the Japanese text. We'll even try to provide a screenshot from that scene or from that book. And I'm trying to go back and do even more of that. Like what I want to do in the yeah. Super Saiyajin transformation page. I want to actually scan a picture of Super Saiyajin Dai Ni Dankai from the Daizenshu yeah. showing that form of trunks or Vegeta or something. Be like, well, it's, it's, it's true of, especially in college, I should m- mention, I think I have before, that I was an anthropology major. Right. And when you're doing a scholarly article, yes, you exactly. have to cite your source page number, author, exactly what they say, you know, and you have to mark it when you're paraphrasing them so that if people criticize your research, they can either, you know, go back to the source and criticize your the source that you used or in turn criticize you for right, misinterpreting exactly. that source. And if you use someone else's translation of another thing, you have to specify whose translation it is so that if it's a bad translation, you can go back and say, it's this person's translation, it's not you. Right. And, you know, being me, I like to translate my own material, but you know, <laughs> well, think- it's it's the kind of thing where, in order to be taken seriously, you need to show where you get your information from, and if there's a problem with said information, it can be pinpointed whose fault it is for being bad information. So, to have this kind of lazy, prosaic, not translation is well, uh, to to use an old uh, anime fandom term, it could be considered a massacre. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to bring up is even all this decades later, because they're not over in this country, and this is going to be a recurring theme for a lot of stuff I want to talk about later on down the road, the Daizenshu and all of these reference books are still, to make a bad pun, mystical items to a lot of American Dragon Ball fans who are like, I don't know what that is. I hear about these. Oh, I hear this is translated from the Daizenshu. And it could be copied and pasted and reworded so many times. It's like playing telephone. By the time it gets to whatever site, it, it no longer even remotely resembles what the original information was. Is this the King James Bible or the new Oxford English Bible? <laughs> exactly, that kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm accustomed to the standard Hebrew codex, but that in turn has its own deviations. And then you get the like old manuscripts that they dig up in caves where it's exactly. been preserved on papyrus. And right with you. You know, it, it's just a mess. So, regardless, um, really, I get I get annoyed at people who consider the King James Bible the absolute authoritative source from God when there's really so many variants <laughs> that come in even before that. It's once again denying evidence that's before one's eyes. But anyway, that's a religious discussion and not appropriate for here. Anyway, let's continue. <laughs> Only thing I want to say is, regardless of whether it's the Daizenshu or Landmark or Forever or the Densetsu books or the GT Perfect Files or the TV series or the original manga, whatever, I think it's important to to point back over to what you're talking about and provide that evidence. And it doesn't matter where this was or who translated it or what other people do. I think that's something we really want to strive for and something we always try to do. And so at the very least, when you read something that Julian puts up as a translation, you know at least it's coming from someone who knows the language and actually took it out of the the book itself. And you know if it's wrong that it's my fault and you know who to blame (laughs) and that I can fix it. (laughs) Because actually there's a couple of things on the site which I did back when I was 
not as knowledgeable about Japanese as I was now, and I really should go back and spruce them up and make them a little more accurate, including some of the lyrics. But I'll get there in time. Good stuff. And as soon as you do the Super Survivor lyrics as well. So that is going yeah. to wrap <laughs> up the emails. If you have any emails, if you got questions, you got comments, you need some myths debunked, that is what we are here to do. You send those emails over to podcast at divesx.com. Jeff, spell that out for me. That is the P-O-D to the C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X dot C-O-M. Damn straight it is. So that's the email stuff. Let's take it on over to the contest. You were waiting for it. Daisenshu 2, what a perfect segue. Just like I said earlier, we're talking about this book and stuff in this book. You were so excited. You were going to win this book. There's about one more week to get in your entries. These entries need to be in by Friday, November 16th at 12 noon. You were going to send an email to contest at DiceX.com and Mary, in 100 words or less, what are they telling us? You must say why you listen to this here podcast. Exactly. That's all we want to know. You can either like it, you can dislike it, you can hate it, you can be completely nonchalant about the matter whatsoever. But in 100 words or less, why do you listen to this show? We're not just giving away Daisenshu 2. We're giving away that book and then you have a choice of two other things. Julian, what are the other two choices? Yes, the other two choices are Kanzenban Volume 21, which is in the Frieza arc, I believe. Yes. And, or rather, or Toriyama Akira Marusaku Gekijo, or Akira Toriyama's, like, Peace Theater, the first of his one-shot collections from the early to mid-1980s. Good stuff. There's uh, some cover scans up on the homepage of the site. Scroll down a bit. So that's what it is. You have a week. Get in your entries. If you have not sent them in, do it right this second. One entry per person. Enter the contest. You're going to win. Contest at DiceX.com. That is the end of episode 102 of this podcast. We've gone for a long time. I really enjoyed the manga discussion this week. I think there's a lot of good stuff to discuss in that volume. I enjoyed that a lot. I really enjoyed the emails this week because we had visual proof of Jeff looking bored out of his mind playing DDR. Giving me the rock on symbol right now. I was going to say, if you happen to say in your email that you listen to the podcast because of me, I will come to your house, eat your food, and play DDR. <laughs> and will you look excited? I will look completely bored. <laughs> See, now there needs to be a Guitar Hero project or something similar. That's or just not. us hanging out playing. With, like, traditional music, unfortunately. Yeah. Not crappy Euro. Although, we already have the beginnings of a full rock band party for the 20th. Yeah! We're super oh psyched. We're going to have a full setup. Mike's going to be jumping off of couches. I need to get a uh, like a full-size mic stand so I can play guitar and sing at the same time. Are you going to like tie rags to it like Stephen Tyler? I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but it's going to rock this fucking house. Tie plushies to it. That's a great idea. Wow. I've got my Palkia plushie now. I'll look bored on bass. <laughs> Mike, you are 12 years old. <laughs> no. Yes. No. What? Show up, fag. <sighs> I'm on Xbox Live now. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. That is the end of the episode. Fantastic. I apologize if there are any weird audio issues. I'm going to see what I can do in post to clean up some stuff, but hopefully it's not too bad. Let's say goodbye. Let's get rid of Jeff because he's going to use our internet and put up episode eight of Low Fidelity. Um, I just realized there's other things I have to do. It might be postponed. Ah. But I'll get it online. I will get it online by not the time this you broadcast. Get it online. You will come over here to use our internet. To in order to do it. Yeah. Before Fios kicks in and I, and I rule with awesomeness of 25. But until then, yeah. You're we'll be around to tomorrow, most of the day, and we're leaving circa 5-ish to go to a concert. I think we should be fine. Good stuff. Mary, we're going to see Amberlin and May in Motion City Soundtrack. Hell yeah. We're taking Mr. Deluxe to his first, well, not really a punk rock show, but the, the scene, I guess you would say. So this will be interesting. I think he's got a date. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. Mr. Deluxe macking on the women's. He's fast. Yes, he is. So uh, that's awesome. Jeff, thank you for showing up. Plug Low Fidelity. The last episode was a long time ago. I was on that episode. I feel responsible for, like, killing your show. Absolutely not. That is not the case. We were at AWA, and uh, we explained all this in the episode, and Brad actually made uh, a special intro explaining why it took so long to edit, but it will finally go online. So awesome. that is Low Fidelity Episode 8, back to Brad and I. Although, of course, since now I live so close, Mike, we'll see if we can pitch in uh, <laughs> in future episodes. Um, Plug but, it. Would you review this episode? I mean, it's not anime-related at all. It's an indie music review podcast. What albums do you review? For... Uh, quote unquote this week's episode <laughs> we uh, talked about Iron and Wines the Shepherd's Dog and we started our uh, Found Sound Shibuya K Marathon with oh, right, uh, right, right. Awesome. Flipper's Guitarist got Dr. Head's World Tower so nice. yeah we're definitely uh, that's a fun episode definitely a lot of fun to listen to so you can find it at Low Fidelity that's L-O-F-I-D-E-L-I-T-Y dot I-N-F-O nice. and uh, feel free to listen to the episodes there you can subscribe to us on iTunes uh, any one of those feel free to listen awesome good Do times you know what reviews are coming up in the near future I can definitely say this because we said it in the episode. We are okay. most definitely, absolutely, oh my God, can't wait to do this review of Radiohead next episode. Oh, yeah, of course you are. Definitely nice. in rainbows because we, we owe it to everybody. We, they know that we're huge Radiohead fans. We got to do this. Uh, I have to confess. Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet. You will want to after this review. That's for sure. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. They're still waiting for your pence or whatever you want to give them for the download. I have so much to talk about with that, but it's totally unrelated to Dragon Ball. That is for sure. But thank you. No Check problem. out Low Fidelity. We will see you in the near future. You will be here for the next manga review of Awesomeness, and perhaps we'll see you in the meantime. And I'll be four doors away. So just knock whenever. I will do so. All right. Awesome. Nice. Mary, you were from the temple. Oh, Trunks, you look a little tired. I am. I mean, it's a Friday. We work today. Yeah. I'm high on coffee at the moment, though. You're lucky. Coffee yes. has no effect on me anymore. <laughs> you built up a resistance. I did. Do you have a resistance to like penicillin antibiotics now? Or are you just like, you're done for? Um, nothing. You know nothing. Traditional work. headache medicine rarely works for me now. It's weird. Your immune system is amazing. I never get sick. I get colds and they last like a couple of days and that's about you're it. You're a superwoman. I am. Wow. I think it's because I was exposed to so many germs that's as a kid. It. I will no longer call you the woman. I will call you the superwoman. Nice. This I can't accept. Is this acceptable? Very much. Nice. Well, Mary, you can plug Templo Trunks. Sure. My website is Templo Trunks. You can find it at www.templeotrunks. And I want to plug, because I don't know if I'll do it this weekend or next weekend, but (laughs) Mike and I do have a batch of stuff we're going to be putting up on eBay. A lot of anime stuff. It's just a matter of me getting off my ass and putting it up, because it's a really long and tedious process. So... 
may or may not be a link tied into, you know, the show notes this week, maybe next week. Who knows? <laughs> Hopefully that? before Christmas. That's it's about tough. it. The only other thing I want to plug is, and I don't know what's going to end up with it. it. It may only be in Japanese, but you just did an interview with uh, oh, Patrick Macias. That's right. I was interviewed yesterday for an article that's being done for Japan Times. Uh, it's written by... Well, that's in English, though. Oh, oh it's it in English. Okay, cool. Yeah, Japan I know, Times is an English paper. I think he's published both languages. Yeah, he's done stuff. If, if you know the the magazine Otaku USA, you've maybe heard him on Anime World Order. Patrick Macias, he's, I forget what his title is, but he's a, a published author over in Japan, American. He, he, I think he floats back and forth. He's in California right now, but he's writing this for Japan Times. Right, it's an article about AMVs and just the culture of the hobby and whatnot. So uh, maybe he'll use some quotes. Good stuff. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that was cool. So that leaves uh, Julian and... And me, um, you probably heard me cough a little bit during the episode. I'm still getting over whatever crazy sickness I had. Oh, you get sick. Uh, I know. I'm You're not, not Superman. I am not Superwoman. <laughs> However, not. Julian is a Superwoman. Julian, what's going on, man? <laughs> um. So, let's see. Oh, I don't know. I mean, what, do you want me to give the name of the website, or do you want me to talk about what's going on here again? Uh, just, how are you doing right now? We, we had a phenomenal episode. I enjoyed uh, oh, speaking yeah. with you, and everything is good. Yeah, I have a little bit of a sore throat, but that seems to happen on the weekend. I think maybe because I talk so much in <laughs> classes during the week that uh, yes. <clears throat> it's, it's my time to not say anything <laughs> after I get done with the podcast. Good deal. Good and also, I got my flu shot yesterday, so I may be feeling the effects of that slightly. Although I'm sure it's a lot better than actually getting the flu and being in bed for days at a time. Well, yeah. uh, Julian, you and myself, we're from Daizenshu EX. And in addition to the podcast, we're also a website. We'll just give you guys a little heads up what we got coming in the future. I'm trying to get back to the filler guide. This is like the AMV off-season where I should really be working on website stuff. No, you should be doing AMVs because it's <sighs> the off time. I know, but Rachel sent me like 20 episodes yeah. worth of stuff. I got to get back to it. I have a couple done. I have a really cool plan of what to do with it, so I'm going to try and get to that. Look forward to that in the future. Julian, you promised us lyrics to Super Survivor whenever you have free time. Yes. Work on that shit. Certainly. Future podcast episodes. My live-action remastered Chinese movie finally shipped today. I think Caster and I both got it shipped to us today, finally. Stupid Tanuki Curry, but we're getting his stuff early. We're going to review that movie. Our plan is still to have lots of people over, get them disgustingly, deathly drunk, and review the movie afterwards, because that's what it will take to sit through this movie. So look forward to that in the future. Uh, Sparking Meteor, final thoughts. We're going to try and get to that. Uh, Mario Galaxy comes out. I have Monday off. I'm going to be at the store the instant it comes out. So, like, I got to plow through Mario Galaxy. Maybe I'll play some Dragon Ball in the meantime, finish unlocking stuff. So uh, look forward to a Final Thoughts episode on that. We're going to try and get some uh, more guests back on, review some other things. Maybe we can get some reviews of this Blu-ray stuff going on. Um, we get reviews of other things. I have really awesome ideas, and we can subject Jeff to some of them. So that'll be interesting. So that is that. Julian, X. like I said, we're a podcast. We're also a website. Where do you find that stuff? Yes, we can be found at www.daizex.com That's daizex.com That is oh so true. Fantastic. That was episode 102. I think this is going to be our longest regular non-special episode. Farewell to everyone. So for Jeff, and for Mary, and for Julie, and I am the Mike, the Vegeta React, and I am exhausted, and my throat is kind of sore too. I'm going to drink some tea and go to bed, and maybe edit first before I go to bed, and maybe play some video games. I don't know. Daizenshu EX Podcast. Konjumo kiite kurasatte arigatou gozaimasu. Kikai mo otanashimi ni.